This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. Now. The WBBM Noon Business Hour. Reports on the trade deficit, services sector, political wrangling over the debt ceiling, infrastructure bill continues in Washington. Let's get all the latest. Andrew Bush is here, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. He's an economist found online at andrewbush.com. Andy, let's begin with the trade deficit. A big jump. Uh, is this as expected coming out of the pandemic? Does it have nothing to do with that? What's going on? Actually, it's a little more optimistic, I think, because it shows increased consumer U.S. consumer demand for uh, imports, which is great. But you also saw a bump to exports as well. And remember, <clears throat> this is all occurring within the framework of having a serious supply chain problem globally. So um, we're not exporting as much of the autos and auto parts that we normally would uh, to increase the number of exports that we have. So just Keep that in mind when you look at these numbers. But overall, it still shows strength in the consumer. And so that sounds to me like positive news as we've been sort of waiting for not just one or two positive signs, but, but actually for several of them to come together. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, the, the, the economy's rolling along. I mean, it, it is. I mean, we've, we've had a problem with Delta, obviously, and that shut down certain sectors of the economy. But overall, there's a lot of strength there, for sure. And, you know, the supply chain problems, uh, labor shortages, those are emblematic of a growing economy. And so that's, that's not a bad thing. Um, the inflation aspect of it is not good, obviously, uh, when you're getting CPI to run about 5%. But overall, there is growth occurring for sure and that's driving a lot of these uh numbers let's talk about infrastructure you know the bill is just sort of sitting there uh, it's bipartisan is there any belief that there's a chance that that at least doesn't get passed even if the other bill doesn't no, they're linked at the hip. Um, so the $1.2 trillion, which is what you're talking about for the physical infrastructure, that's all set and ready to go. But it's the social infrastructure bill that uh, Democrats want to pass as well through reconciliation. Um, and that number has gone from three and a half down to one and a half, back up to about two to two, maybe two and a half, somewhere in there, two and a half trillion. So we'll see where it goes. And it's really interesting because they want to pass these two bills together. They can only pass the latter one that they want to spend on social through reconciliation, but the rubber meets the road of the debt ceiling because that's the only path you can take in a standalone Democrats, no Republicans supporting debt ceiling hike. So there's a lot of things that are going to happen over the next two to three weeks that are going to be really uh, driving a lot of uncertainty for the markets. Really complicated here, especially when it comes to the debt ceiling. Every time there's a battle over this, there's a question of why don't we just make this permanent? Is that just a political issue? Is that why it's not permanent? 
Yeah, I think it's just it provides advantage for whoever's not in power or in power to kind of lord this over the person that has to make the decision to make it happen um, and hold their feet to the fire when it comes to spending, which is kind of ridiculous, to be honest, um, because both parties overspend and don't pay for it. And that's why we have twenty eight trillion dollars in debt. So we'll see how far this goes. We'll see uh, uh, President Biden is going to make a big case against Mitch McConnell over the next couple of days, pushing that agenda. Uh, he'll be in the media and doing all sorts of things. And of course, Senator McConnell will be pushing back pretty strongly. We'll see where this ends up. It's really a dangerous thing to be playing with. Thanks so much, Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. It's been a rough week for Facebook, the company dealing with a major service outage yesterday. And now the congressional spotlight on its policies. Let's get the latest. Dan Gallagher joining us, the tech reporter for the Wall Street Journal's Heard on the Street column based in San Francisco. Uh, Dan, uh, let's begin with this outage. I mean, kind of getting a little bit from Facebook on what was behind it. And yet it still seems weird that a big company like this, a big platform, could just disappear for several hours. Uh, yeah, it was. And it was, you know, it's if you're in the Internet business, you're these things are going to happen. I mean, almost pretty much every company I'm aware of has had these from time to time. But to have them be so widespread for such a duration is unusual. And what was really unusual about this one is that it actually took down Facebook's internal network. I mean, companies at their headquarters in the Bay Area couldn't even get into doors. Their key cards were, weren't working. Um, they were joking that this was a snow day, which is funny considering it never snows here in, in the Bay Area. So I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, okay, Facebook has the potential to lose money when there's an outage. However, they, they can just change the prices of their ads and, and maybe make it up some other way. What about all the business owners that rely on Facebook for their income? It's it hurts for sure, and I think it depends a lot. You know, they have a really wide range of businesses that use their platform. Uh, everything from very big companies to very small, uh, you know, what do you call mom and pop type things, or you know, single operator type type businesses. And you know, for them, obviously, you know, I mean, you know, you're out for half a day or something. Maybe you make it back. It depends, it depends on what the business is. Maybe you don't. Um, it's but when you have something that's this extensive, um, it, it doesn't leave the people. There was a lot of anger you, that you could see and people saying, well, why, are, why am I depending on this kind of platform? Well, people depend on it because no other social platform has anywhere near the reach that Facebook and Instagram does, like compared to any other social platform. So in a way, they're kind of hard to not deal with, even with these kinds of um, frustrations. So you have a whistleblower on Capitol Hill today uh, talking about how the fa you know Facebook knows it's dangerous. It knows that it's a problem with kids, and Congress is paying attention to this. Is there some kind of regulation that can come? Uh, there's certainly regulation that can come. The big question is what kind and will it? You know, Washington is sharply divided on just about every issue right now. Um, and even when you look at like sometimes the, the talk around, you know, Facebook and these other big tech companies, there seems to be some level of bipartisanship where there's agreement that something needs to be done. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty, uh, you know, the two sides still differ widely in kind of what they see as the problem and how they want to address it. So that's the um, you know, the whistleblower is on the hill right now testifying and seems to be getting a good reception. But again, this has been happening for a few years now and nothing solid really has yet come. 
So I think it remains to be seen what, what can happen there. Yeah, you have the, the pressures. Facebook as a company is huge. You have investors. You have other people who make their money on Facebook, contractors. It, it just ends up being so complicated that that's what makes me wonder if Congress really ever will regulate them, given all of the different parties that are impacted by it. Uh, for sure. And, you know, you, like I said, you have, uh, you know, different people see the problem differently. You know, some people think the problem is, you know, misinformation or other people think it's because platforms, you know, have bias against certain political sides or whatever um, and and all kinds of things. So when you have when you have like a such a divided, you know, um, Congress and Senate, it's hard to imagine what what will get enough people around it to actually get done. But it's true. I think every time there's something like this, you know, more information comes out. I think it's possible that you get some more people tipped into a um, a frame of mind where they say, "Okay, let's do something." So I think it's 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 definitely still a risk for Facebook. It's you can't dismiss it. Uh, it's just hard to know what's gonna what's gonna really come right right now. Thanks for all the details. That's Dan Gallagher, a tech reporter for the Wall Street Journal's Heard on the Street column. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Bitcoin has pushed above the 50,000 mark this week. Let's get an update on the crypto market. Michael Palumbo is here, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk. Uh, Michael, I mean, you, you've said quite often, you at least need a little bit of crypto in your portfolio. Is that still what you believe? Well, good afternoon, Cisco, and thanks for having me on. You know, we've we've said uh, for a long time, thirty to fifty percent in equity in real estate, twenty to thirty in bonds, and five to fifteen percent in gold and crypto. Uh, we included crypto in there. A lot of people just just would just say gold because we believe that crypto is a store of value. And, and in this type of environment where we're talking about a possible $3.5 trillion stimulus bill out of the Biden administration, uh, the CPI numbers and in inflation have been bad, uh, well, at least high in the last you know, six months. So it shows that inflation is a scare and that fiat currencies are uh, possibly not the right place to put your, you know, your bets. Um, and crypto is definitely an option, uh, a viable option besides gold now. And then you see that in Bitcoin's price. We're back, as you said, above 5,000. It just went just back over 50,000 over 50, um, a couple minutes ago. And it's up 50% year-to-date, 15% just in October. So it's been a bull market uh, recently, definitely, in crypto. Have we reached a point with crypto where it isn't just speculation? Because I think for a lot of uh, a lot of this, that's what people have thought. You know, It's almost like you're gambling with your money. Do, do you feel like it is at all more solid of an investment now? Well, Bitcoin, the, the issue with crypto is that it does not... Uh, pay any income so and it doesn't have earnings so it's not like a stock in that you can give it a PE it's whatever somebody will is willing to pay for it but obviously you know when Bitcoin is tra was trading two hundred dollars uh, and and moving ten percent every day that's a very volatile asset and 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 that would scare a lot of investors away ironically now that it's fifty thousand um, and it's it's not moving as much and not as volatile you have institutional investors that have demand for it because it's showing that it, it's 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 made it, it's made it through its tough times now what happens in the future it's going to be dependent on what happens to the US dollar what happens with inflation if we get high inflation people are going to flock to Bitcoin that's what's happening today
And when it comes to an investor who maybe has been on the sidelines, either because they didn't understand crypto or for whatever reason were a little fearful of crypto, uh, what do they do now? How do they make sure that part of their portfolio, even if it's a small part of it, is in crypto? We've been advocates of, of, of being long-term holders of crypto. I, there's people out there day trading this stuff, and you know what? That's fine if you think you have a system, uh, but w that's not what we do. We're investors. So we would advocate to, to people to buy and hold. Um, you know, you can buy small amounts of Bitcoin, small amounts of Ethereum. Those are the two we like. We really don't like the altcoins. Um, we like, Bitcoin, we like the, the big guys. And you can buy those and hold them and, and just put them in your portfolio and forget about them. And 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 uh, have a time horizon more than just a few days, like like there are people out there that that, that do that. But um, you know, we suggest to, to have a long time horizon and to be patient and to not worry about the daily volatility. And if you do that, you can certainly just buy Bitcoin even now and just forget about it for a few years and see see where it's at. And I think you'll be happy a few years from now. Thanks so much, Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Let's find out what's going on. Jim Welsh is here. He's a macro strategist, portfolio manager. You find him online at macrotides.com. Jim, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Well, Cisco, I think primarily what this is is a bounce in some of the oversold sectors, namely the QQQ, the mega cap stocks, uh, which have kind of gotten beaten up over the last week, and a continued rebound in some of the cyclical sectors uh, in anticipation that the economy is going to continue to be okay. My expectation, the last time we talked, was that the, the S&P had declined to 43.06, it had rebounded. My expectation was it was going to drop below 4306. And my expectation at this point in time, Cisco, is I think we get a little bit more upside, and then I think we're going to drop to lower levels across the board. So I think this is a time to be more defensive, and um, you know I think interest rates are going to continue to work their way higher. So what does that look like for an investor who's listening? What, what would it look like for them to be more defensive, specifically in a market like this? Well, I think the key thing here, last week, Chair Powell, who has for months and months been talking about inflation being transitory, last week he didn't use that word in testimony to the House and Senate committees and uh, pretty much told us that uh, this bout of inflation is going to last longer into next year and so forth. So it, to me, confirms that, um, you know, my take has been that inflation was going to be more intense, last longer. Powell has finally come around to accepting that based on the data. And I think two things. A, there could be a quick trade in gold and the gold stocks because those sectors have not performed well. Because I think a lot of people believe that Powell was going to be right about transitory inflation. The fact that that's off the table now, I think potentially we'll see some money flow into there. So gold is around 1760. I think it could push to 1820 to 1835. And the gold stocks could have a pop of 6 to 8%. So this is just a quick trade. Um, but I think that's one of the benefits, if you will, of the change in policy from Powell last week. I'm glad you reminded us of the quick trade because I think sometimes people hear this and they think that, you know, this is sort of an 18-month plan. It's not necessarily just gets us through this patch. 
Yeah, I mean, quick trades are obviously not for everybody, uh, but there are people out there that like to take advantage of those short-term moves. Uh, conversely, if somebody wants to be defensive, you can look to establish short positions in the S&P 500. Now, that is even more aggressive than maybe taking a quick trade on gold. But I think we're in a tough environment for the next period of time. Uh, there seems to be more reasons to sell than buy. Earnings reports are coming out on balance. They're going to be good. But I think, Cisco, a lot of companies are going to talk about trouble getting workers, wage pressures, getting product, that their sales are being helped because of the supply chain bottlenecks and so forth. So the earnings numbers are likely to be good, but I think the messaging is going to be a little bit more downbeat than what we've seen in you know probably three or four quarters. And that inflation's got to cut into earnings, too, where they have to make so much more even just to make up for the inflation. That is true. And in fact, uh, you bring up a great point. Uh, companies have, in fact, been raising prices because everybody's in the same boat. A few years ago, companies would raise prices only at risk of losing market share. So companies' earnings are going to be decent in part because they're raising prices to cover those increasing costs. Maybe not all of it. But the flip side of that is, well, that means inflation is going to continue to push higher or remain higher because it's going to be a long time before companies actually lower whatever price they're raising now. So it's a two-edged sword. And I think, you know, more and more that's going to be evident to investors. Thanks so much. Good insight from Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager. You can find him online at macrotides.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Travel Tuesday, sponsored by DiscoverPeoria.com. Demand is up, and so are prices for holiday travel. Let's get an update now from Angie Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors. You can find her online at TravelBTA.com. Uh, so, Angie, are, are we just talking flights here? Or are we talking hotels? I don't know, trains, just about everything? Well, everyone seems to want to travel at the same time. And naturally, traveling during high season, during the holidays, is high already. So when you compound that with increased demand and capacity still um, being kept under um, 100%, you just naturally, that's going to escalate prices. So what should people do? I mean, right now, are, are you getting online and kind of taking whatever you can get? Or, or can you be a little more judicious in your choices? Yeah, well, we are seeing a lot of travelers that are not as price sensitive. They've been home. They've been postponing vacations. So they are willing to spend 15, 20% more on a vacation. We also have situations where travelers have 
vouchers from previous canceled trip, which ultimately they can apply it to their trip, which reduces the out-of-pocket money that they have to come up with today because they already have that voucher in hand. So in some cases, people are willing to pay increased in prices because they want to travel for the holidays. They want these experiences. And we're also seeing a shift in Travelers wanting a more creative itinerary. They want to go to places that naturally are more expensive, whether it's because they're traveling to a further destination or they're upgrading to suites or villas that have private oases. That's all going to increase uh, the overall price of an experience. If it's a better experience, it naturally tends to cost more. Does that just reflect the change between we just want to get away to we want some kind of an experience, something that we can remember? Absolutely. Transformative travel, travel for purpose. We definitely see people thinking about their travel and not just the destination, but also what is the overall experience going to provide our family as we travel and celebrate holidays together. So if you don't want to pay for that travel and yet you still want a unique holiday or, or you know, some time with the family that you can remember, what, what are people opting to do? How, how can they do that without getting on a plane? Well, particularly for Thanksgiving, you still see a higher percentage of people traveling by car. And it's just a creative thinking. During the pandemic, we learned to experience destinations closer to home. So that's always an option, whether it's a day trip or, you know, spending three to four nights in a hotel versus, you know, renting a villa for a week. And I think when you are looking for price savings, always really look at the overall value that's being provided to you. For example, when you're traveling for Thanksgiving, a lot of hotels provide amenities and that enhances the experience. And it's important to know whether those amenities are built into your price or if they're a la carte and upon arrival, they're going to be charged more money. So you really have to look, do some research to make sure you're incorporating the overall experience, not just what you're paying um, you know, prior to arrival. When it comes to a vacation rental, a a home where you just want to do something unique, do you pretty much have to grab it when you see it online? Some people sometimes wait, hoping that maybe something else comes online, something better, nicer, or whatever. You're right. It tends to be when you see something available online that you really, really like, that inventory is definitely... Um, there for a short while, particularly during holiday travel. So I would definitely look into securing it when you find something that really appeals to you, but also reading the terms and conditions. If those terms and conditions are flexible, then you're more inclined to make that decision, even if your plans aren't 100% certain. We even have travelers over the holidays that are double booked because they can't decide, do we want to travel by plane to Mexico or do we want to stay in the U.S.? They have very flexible terms and conditions, so 30 days prior to travel, they're going to reassess and confirm which option appeals to them most. So the terms and conditions are very important. When you look at booking um, packaged itineraries that include hotel, airfare, oftentimes there's the option to add pre-trip protection or cancel for any reason insurance that quite frankly can be pretty affordable. So if you bundle it and you package that, that gives you peace of mind if you need to cancel or reschedule as well. Thanks so much for all the advice. Angie Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors. That's Travel Tuesday. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets have a volatile history in October, so there is concern about a so-called black swan event. Let's learn more. Mark Holbert is here, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com. Mark, for those new investors, what is a black swan event? 
Well, there are a lot of different definitions, but I think the common elements are that it's a, a sudden and awful event that's unpredictable. And I think of the three, uh, you know, obviously it's going to be awful, but the thing I like to emphasize is that it's unpredictable. And I think that's the key because it means that we have to do things to protect for it that are different than the way we might respond to the economic news or uh, other things we would do in our portfolios. Just the same way we buy fire insurance in the unlikely event our house burns down, we need fire insurance or the equivalent for our portfolios to protect against black swans. And one of these crashes, uh, you know, October, I mean, is there something that investors are really looking to October to pay attention to this? That's a great question. You go back and look at history, and it turns out the two worst crashes in U.S. market history we were both in October. And if you look even beyond those crashes, the stock market has been historically more volatile in the month of October than any other month. And so there's, uh, there's definitely historical support for the notion that October is a particularly wild ride for the stock market. Normally, I would say that unless we can come up with a good explanation for why volatility ought to be high in October, I wouldn't bet on it. On the other hand, in this case, I might make an exception just because it turns out the expectation of volatility can in itself create volatility. It means people are more trigger happy either to jump back in the market or get out. And so I think that may end up be the uh, the bottom line on why stock market is so volatile in the month. We've definitely seen that so far this month. Yeah, people are a little concerned, kind of on edge. And yet, is there uh, something usually that happens in either the world around us or in the business world that, that normally makes one of these black swan events, you know, where you almost have a jumping off point instead of just skittishness. I have not seen any, I know there are people who have tried, but I have yet to see any uh, really statistically plausible explanation for why these black swan events occur. I mean, almost by definition, I don't think you'll come up with it, because if you could predict it, then it wouldn't be a black swan. The idea is that these events just come out of the nowhere and uh, plummet, uh, may cause the market to plummet. An example, other than the pandemic last year, which of course was one of them, you can go back to the 9-11 terrorist attacks that literally came out of nowhere, at least it as a part of the, you know, in, instead of looking at perhaps the intelligence that people may have known that it was happening. But but for the most of us, obviously, it's going to be something that's a, totally unpredictable. So rather than trying to figure out how to predict it, I think we just need to prepare our portfolios to somehow not get devastated when they do happen. Thanks so much. Good insight. Mark Holbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com. You'll find past programs later today, a podcast of this hour at W. WBBMnewsradio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.